for our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled Opportunities. Mr. Williams. Thank you, Reggie. Opportunities. <clears throat> we live in interesting times around the world. Perhaps events that most of us never thought we'd live to see. Um, events that upset our normal activities, our normal routines, our expectations, impacting hopes and dreams. Um, and these can present very stressful times for people, depending on what their situation is in life. And it can affect us mentally and emotionally. But it can also give us opportunities. Opportunities as Christians to learn, to grow, to apply Christian principles and teachings. Involved in these opportunities our decision-making, faith, and sometimes scriptures that present contradictions. And so we can be finding ourselves left on the horns of a dilemma. If we do this, or should we do that? And we're all aware of what's going on in the world today. And to lay a foundation for what I want to go into, I just want to go through some of the events and some of the things that are, you know, that are happening. We all know about the pandemic. We've been hearing about it now for six months or maybe longer. And there's, all, there's a whole host of other things going on behind the scenes on that too. Recently, uh, there was a report on the World Health Organization about bubonic plague being over in some countries. And then there's... Uh, uh, from reported by Reuters, uh, some data that came out with 179 different viruses that have been identified within the pork, or I should say the pig population. Um, just for a few of the less than encouraging bits of news. Um, and then there's the economic impact, the bankruptcies, Large corporations that you never thought would file for bankruptcy are being impacted. J.C. Penney, Shell Oil, just to name a couple of them. Uh, there's just closer to home, Chesapeake Energy, over in Oklahoma City. Um, there's unemployment. Some of you in here have suffered from that and um, have had reduced incomes and reduced work hours. And there's social impacts. You know, you. You like to travel or you like to take in certain entertainment and you can't do that now. Sporting events that have been canceled. Um, and they're trying to get back into these things. But all the, the reason I'm going through these is because they all present opportunities. It's not all negative. There's civil issues for the need of the poor and the weak. And the poor and the weak are always, the disenfranchised are always, most adversely impacted by all of this. And some of the ramifications that have happened are unexpected. The things that happened with the food supply where all of a sudden there was 
actually an overabundance of food. And in some cases, they were throwing food away when the people were needing food, but they weren't having the ability to get the food to them. And then there's, there's the policing issues and law and order and health, not only me medical, but physical and mental, the ability to all of a sudden adjust being at home for five hours a day, 24-7, and having to endure my kids <laughs> or my animals. You know, we just got a new little baby kitty, and she's a live wire with a lot of energy. And she's on the, way, on the go all the time. She's my kid, you know. But uh, it's a different way of living for many people because they haven't had to endure these changes. And then there's political activities and there's protests, peaceful and violent. And into all this giant mix, there are people, people, that want to sincerely help. They want to deal with the issues fairly and justly. And they want to take action. And they want to administer to those that need help. And they want to administer to the reactions that they get and even the overreactions that come about. And in some cases, placing themselves at risk in doing these activities. And you've probably heard of some of those, some of those incidents where uh, a nurse at one of the hospitals came home and found all of her stuff was thrown out of her apartment. And they wouldn't let her go in her own apartment and she got some physical damage on her because she was a threat to everybody else that lived in the apartment since she worked in the hospital. <clears throat> so you're, you're out there and you want to help out and you're doing what's good and you pay some penalties for it. A lot of it's out of fear. Sometimes people are... Um, disposed mentally or emotionally because of those fears or things that they have experienced in the past. And then in the midst of all of this, there are also those that want to make gain out of the crisis by distorting the truth, by manipulating the masses. And thrown into that also are the criminal element that have no agenda other than just to commit crimes. So within all of that, there are, guess what? Opportunities! <laughs> In the midst of all of that negativity, there are opportunities. Opportunities to be a Christian. Opportunities to stand up for Christ. Opportunities to apply the things that you've learned. Opportunities to teach others. And opportunities to learn yourself. I've got some quotes, and it's interesting because all of these quotes, uh, they're not from, Bible, from the Bible, but they're from men um, who may not even have any interest in Christianity. I know one of them doesn't, for sure. But it's interesting, their observations about mankind and mankind's society. The first one is, is from George Orwell. Actually, the first three are from George Orwell. It says, in a time of deceit. Have you ever thought in terms of an, in a time of deceit? That a time could be classified as deceitful. In a time of deceit, telling the truth 
is a revolutionary act. Wow. Another one from George Orwell. And this goes to some of the things that are currently going on in our society where we see some, some of our past being attacked. Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Who controls the present controls the past. And we see that happening right before our eyes as the present, present society is attacking some of the icons that have been established in the past. And one more from George Orwell. It kind of relates to the one that we just, I just read here in the past. He says, the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their understanding of their history. The roots. And there's a lot of opportunities in that also to even teach people what the truth is. Half of these people are just venting their anger and they know nothing about the history. And all you have to do is ask them a few questions and you know that they, they don't understand. And there are opportunities in each of these events. The only problem with all of it is how closely do you have to get involved with it? And is it worth putting yourself at risk? We'll get into that in a minute. We've got one other quote I want to give you. And it's from, of all people, Karl Marx, the man who wrote the Communist Manifesto. Listen to it carefully. Political economy, that's an interesting term, political economy, because Revelation 18 in the Bible talks about political economy. The integration of governments and political power into economics. Political economy came into being as a natural result of the expansion of trade. And with its appearance, elementary, unscientific huckstering, we all know what huckstering is, right? You know, it's like, want to buy a watch, you know, kind of a thing, or want to buy a watch, kind of thing. The, the little guy on the street that was out just trying to take advantage of somebody. But anyway, it says, with the appearance, with its appearance, unscientific huckstering was replaced by a developed system of licensed fraud, an entire science of enrichment. An entire science of enrichment. Wow. We see that a lot in our society today. There's a company that recently declared bankruptcy. And after they declared bankruptcy, they decided they had issues shares of stock. <laughs> and people were buying it. Is, is that somehow illogical? Do you think there's somehow behind the scene and, uh, manipulation there? I mean, why would you, why would you do that? Anyway, I want to get to two contrary scriptures that relate 
to these issues because it relates to your decision-making. And your opportunities then to participate in helping and learning. Proverbs 22, 3. Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are perished. So here, a man seeing the danger, seeing the evil, realizing that he himself is at risk, makes a decision to hide away. Reasonable self-interest. Psalm 23.4 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Two scriptures, one of them telling you to, as a prudent man, if you see evil, to hide from it. The other one telling you, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. How do you make that decision whether you're going to hide away or whether you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? By what criteria does one make that decision? Is it a decision just of faith because I believe? Or there is, is there something more to it than that? I think I'll go to Ecclesiastes, and Pastor Andrews read this a few, I don't know, maybe a month ago, a number of weeks back. It has to do in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. And I don't, we'll see if I read the rest of it or not. I, I think the rest of it's probably all very fresh in our minds. Um, but this gives us a little more insight into our making decision because he tells us here there is a time to every purpose. There's time and purpose and faith. Three things that come together. And he goes through some of them. I guess I, maybe I will read them. A time to be born, a time to die. Lost my place. <laughs> a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. Time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time, weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rent, and a time to sow. A time to keep silent, a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time of war, and a time of peace. Faith, integral part every as of every aspect of this time and purpose. 
I want to jump down to, I think, verse 16, still in Ecclesiastes 3. And moreover, I saw under the sun the placement of judgment, that wickedness was there in the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Now he adds in the concept of work there, kind of hand in glove with purpose. There are two examples that I'd like to go through where the decision, well, in one of them, a decision was put, put before a person and they had to make their choice based upon what they knew and what their circumstances were, um, the purpose, the timing, the faith. It's in Esther. Esther chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai, Mordecai, this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, three days, day or night. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, it was not permissible for her to go in before the king unless she was invited to go in before the king. It was presumptuous for her to just walk in there on her own accord. So she decided to walk down the valley of the shadow of death with a purpose. We know all that, what that purpose was to save her people. And the timing was there because of what was going on in that uh, kingdom. And so she made her choice. But there's other times where we get actual commands or advice from scriptures that tell us when to go or not to go. Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16. Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso reads them understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So don't walk into the valley of the shadow of death then. Here we have a specific instruction. So we can go through the scriptures and we can apply these, uh, this knowledge, time, purpose, faith, if there's any directives uh, of, of what we should or shouldn't do. 
And I got one more quote. I'm full of quotes today, aren't I? Just, it's amazing how all these came about. But um, Perhaps some of you will recognize this. I didn't know that this person had said this. But he said, the struggle of today is not altogether for today. It is for a vast future. Anybody know who said that? Anybody? Abraham Lincoln, 1862, before the Congress of the United States. The struggle of today is not altogether for today. It is for a vast future. And nobody has a better future than we. The opportunities for each of us in the current situation vary greatly. Uh, depends on so many different factors. Where you live, where you work, who your friends are, who your enemies are. <laughs> but it's a great, wonderful future and you can't lose. You can't lose. As one man said when he was threatened with death, you can't kill me, all you can do is initiate my transition. I mean, what an attitude. In Romans 6.23, we find that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In talking with him about our situations and the opportunities that we have to influence people around us, even through all of the chaos and negativity that's going on, in the life, in, in the world right now, uh, there are opportunities. In John 14, 23, Jesus answers to a man and he says, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Realizing that should give us a lot of comfort that no matter where we go, they're with us and they're standing by us. And they can influence our thoughts and our minds, what we say, what we do, where we go, and when we go. And one of the, one of the things that we do as Christians is to bear the burdens of others in Galatians 6.2, Paul recounts, recounts this. Bury ye one another's burdens and so, fill, so, so fulfill the law of Christ. And it's, some, in my experience in life, I found that the people that are least able to help me are the ones that always help me the most. Which is quite amazing. I think it's because they understand the situation because they're living it themselves. And it's like I, one particular case, uh, I, I felt guilty that this guy is helping me because while he was in not such a very good position himself, and I appreciated his help, and I did need help at the time, my situation was transitory, whereas his was not. His was not. Mine was going to pass, and if I didn't get help from him, I could get it from somebody else. But I helped him afterwards with every opportunity that, that 
that came uh, my way. And in Mark 12:30, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Wow, what a mouthful. With all your heart. There's the first problem, right? There's a song from back, oh, many, many decades ago, by, sung by Connie Francis, who is one of my all-time favorite singers. The title of the song is, My Heart Has a Mind of Its Own. And she laments the fact that her heart is telling her to do one thing when she knows intellectually, that's not the thing I want to do. But it's like I'm hooked by my own heart. And so that your own heart becomes um, a roadblock to you in loving the Lord. But that's what he will do through these opportunities. He will change the heart. He will whittle that heart. He will soften it. And it says, with all your soul and with all your mind. Mind's tricky too. We get into the emotions in here of the heart and the mind and the understanding and th the integration of those two and people's perception of what reality is. And when you don't know, you don't know. You really don't know. <laughs> And he says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. This is the first commandment. All your strength. It requires work. Strength, work, determination. And with all of this, there are blessings. And all the negativity that's before us in whatever we suffer, whatever we help out, whatever opportunities we have, whatever we learn. Let's go to Luke 6, 20 through 23. <clears throat> and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you that hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you that weep now, for you shall laugh. These are all characteristics of some of the things that are going on in the world right now, um, impacting people. Blessed are you when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Your reward. Re reward for taking the opportunities that are presented to us using faith, using purpose, using timing, wisely, praying about it. In Revelation 22 verse 12, he says, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to the work his work shall be. So Christ brings his reward with him to us, but there's a bigger reward than that. Revelation 21.7 He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my people. You know, it used to be that they said all things. You know, and I take that literally. When they say all things, I look up in the sky at night. 
And you, and you got to realize that those, some of those things that are sparkling up there, they're, no, no, they're not stars. They're galaxies. They're galaxies. They used to say that there was approximately 100 billion galaxies. Those that study the population tell us that on Earth, in all time, since the, since the beginning, 108 billion people have lived here on Earth. So, according to the Hubble telescope, in the early days, they said that the estimate was 100 billion galaxies. So there's not quite enough galaxies for every person, right? But then they applied a new technology, and they started looking at the universe with infrared technology and ultraviolet technology. And when they did that, they found out 100 billion was a low-end estimate. They're now estimating there are 2.2 trillion galaxies. That's 20.37 galaxies for every person that has ever lived on Earth. So don't worry about having one planet or one solar system for yourself. You may have 20 galaxies. Talk about mind boggling. So inheriting all things, the reward is great. And what happens and what they found out as to why they couldn't detect this earlier was because the large galaxies hide the smaller galaxies that are behind them. And the larger, the brighter galaxies, the, the light from the fringe light from them hides adjacent galleries that are behind them or in front, or behind them rather. So that's how they, they were able to detect these 2.2 trillion galaxies. So we have before us a wonderful opportunity in life and regardless of what the situations that we are, uh, impacting or that uh, we have to live through here. They have solutions and he is there for us and we're also expected to help out each other as we can and to help others that even are not converted. Uh, ask for his prayers and his help. Look for the opportunities. Look at the timing. Look at the purpose. And enjoy it and rejoice in that you will inherit all things.